When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats post game. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by Ben White and the venerable John Schuster. Right. Basically, Ben, merely Mike and the venerable John Schuster. All right. Arizona. What was the final score, guys? I don't even know. I should have that. 101.56, I believe, Mike Luke. Yes, sir. 101.56. Uh, we got a lot to get to. First of all, I'm going to say two things. John Schuster, uh, as, as is generally the case, um, called and said that this team was going to be an absolute problem at some point that they uh, were probably going to be the number one ranked team in the country. John Schuster, Ben White, I have seen absolutely nothing to dissuade that from John Schuster's brilliance, Ben White. 100%. And um, that's why John Schuster continues to be a part of these broadcasts. He's educating <laughs> all of us on a day in and day out basis. That uh, he's one of the few who will show up for these weird hours and uh, yammer for a little while. Yes. He, he, yes. Shoot. Yes, but, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. No, but just just complete domination, 101 to 56. Um they only allowed 19 points in that second half. UTA had 37 at halftime. I think they were talking about on TV it's the lowest amount allowed since I think the early 80s when they played UNLV. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves because Anthony Jamino just tweets out that the announcers are wrong. The Mikhail Center record for fewest points and a half is seven, and that occurred in 2014 against Washington State. Uh, so total defensive effort there in the second half. Domination. This team responded. They were sluggish in that first half, and a number of different guys, including Jaden Bradley and some others that we're going to get to, got involved tonight for the first time this season, Mike. Right. John Schuster. The floor is yours, my friend. Tell me what you saw out there. Man, now I get to keep floors. Man, right. I really do need to get onto you these post games on a more consistent basis. This is fantastic. Uh, and it really looked kind of for about what 12 to 15 minutes, like, huh, all right. Uh, maybe the uh, maybe there's a little bit of a U of A sports hangover going on. Uh, good performance, obviously, by Arizona's basketball team on Friday night, the great football victory yesterday. And we're going to talk uh, about that a little bit. Towards good. The end. I, I figured that was a possibility. And uh, then I, I think we uh, got an idea of just how dangerous this team can be. Uh, last five minutes of the uh, first half and then utter domination in the second half that what they, you know, regardless of uh, what records they may or may not have been close to from a defensive standpoint, Arizona won the second half by about 40 points. Going out on a limb here, and I know you look for my expertise for these sorts of things, but if a team generally outscores the opposition by 40 and a half, their chances of winning are probably pretty good. Right. Um, but there was a lot to, you know, when you get a performance like that, that there's a lot to like. Uh, Arlington, I thought, did some very interesting things early, but after a while, you kind of, uh, you know, there's only so, so many options that you have, and I think Arizona wore them down, but the Cats also did a very good job of making some adjustments to change things up, and once it, uh, once the steamroller engine began, they were just unable to stop it, and uh, again, Arizona, up and down the roster was really pretty darn impressive. A weird thing, Mike and Ben, is that you know, even in these blowout games, you see 
uh, advancement, I think, from players yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12. I don't know how many people are on this roster. You get 22 deep on the roster, and it seems like the 23rd player, uh, you know, has a skill set too. So it's it's kind of difficult for Arizona not to dominate some of these games where they're against overmatched competition. But you look at their depth overall, and you like what you're seeing. What really impresses me, too, and this is something that Tommy Gunn hasn't been able to do here since he's been here, the defense, the way that they can ramp up the defense, the way that he can pressure. We always talked about with Sean Miller that we wish that with those kind of defenders, with, with those kind of athletes, that you could shoot passing lanes, that you could pick it up more of a three-quarter, half-court, quarter-court, whatever you want to call it. Um, they weren't able to do that with Courtney Ramey, uh, Kerr Kreese, uh, uh, et cetera, the first couple of years. Now with Boswell, Caleb Love, Pella Larson, who we're going to get to, my bad Pella hashtag, my bad Pella, they can pick it up and defensively, they can be something that, um, they can be something that is absolutely, uh, crazy to be honest with you. They'll be one of the best defensive teams in the country all year. And I think that goes back to everything you just hinted at there. And the most important thing here to look at is, is personnel. You have players that are athletic, dynamic, who can do a number of different things. And especially from a guard standpoint, that's really what's going to be what gets you that victory in that category. You just didn't have that last year. You had good scoring. You had good shooting. But this team truly is playing defense first. And... I think UT Arlington made it challenging in the first half just because they were going to pack the paint, you know, and dare Arizona to shoot. And at times we saw that didn't go well, but Arizona coming out into the second half, they responded accordingly. And, you know, regardless of these last couple of games, I know that Arizona, you know, has been victorious, but there's always been some sort of hiccup going into that half that you want to make an adjustment you want to change some things and um, whether it's shooting whether it's rebounding Arizona's responded really well in the second half and from an adjustment standpoint I mean it's been fantastic I think the players and you know goes back to that locker room too I think there's dogs in that locker room somebody like Ashad Johnson you know somebody in that realm of mold is going to get in every guy's face and say hey we can't do this we've got to turn it around and I think this team is tough and you know, you heard Mulebach say it over and over, and you heard uh, Brian as well say it over and over. It's just toughness and physicality. And when you have that in your players, it goes a long way. And Arizona took it personally in that second half. I mean, they didn't let their foot off the gas pedal. They played very, very well, and they played like their lives depended on it until the clock hit zero. And honestly, Mike, that's what you want to see. You want to see this team play hard. All right, real quick, Schuster, then I want to get your take on the defense. But first, I've been remiss. A good friend of mine, Shaz who uh, runs the Jack in the Box on, uh, uh, on uh, well, what is it technically on Speedway? Universe, uh, Speedway, Speedway and Park? Oh, the yep, Speedway, and Speedway and Park. Park. Jay and the B? Oh, wow. Yes. The one with all the brutal uh, construction right now, I feel sorry for him to have to endure that on a consistent basis. But you know what? He's a leader of men, just like Omar Ballo. Oh. Go check it out, though. This It's the best Jack in the Box tacos in the city. I live off fast food. I am a connoisseur of fast food, as many of you know. And go check it out. Again, he does a great job there. He is one of the people. He backs the A like no other. Check it out. Oh, by the way, we will get to that Matt Mulebach leader of men reference. But again, Jack the Box on a Park and Speedway. We do feel bad for all that construction that Arizona always waits until school gets back in session for John Schuster to uh, to make it happen. But oh, and uh, we know we know well not not to get off topic too badly here. Never. We, know, we 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 know that Tucson has some of the finest roads in all the land. Oh uh, yeah. And and the construction in that area right now has only illustrated exponentially just how fine Tucson's roads are. That is not a fun one to drive. Correct. And yet lots of folks must. Sean Schuster, defense. Let's talk about it. This team, to me, is just, well, like I said, you and I spent a lot of time, uh, uh, whether it was at 1290, whether it was, you know, uh, years uh, bitching back and forth via text, that we wish that uh, when Sean Miller had these kind of athletes, these kind of guards, that you would pick up the pressure a little bit. Tommy Lloyd could do that now. And the thing you're alluding to is that there are two styles, generally speaking, there are two styles of defenses that coaches want to work for. Uh, and the Sean Miller style, the UTSA style, uh, the Virginia, Virginia is the best example of this, mm -hmm. is that I think Virginia 
as an example, is going to routinely maybe have better defensive numbers than Arizona. But Virginia is never going to be able to transition defense to offense. The difference with a team like Arizona that approaches things in this regard is not only that they stop you on the defensive end, but they score on the same offensive possession. And so that does two things. And this is an area where a guy, you know, during the tenure of Miller, especially during the really good Miller teams about 10 years ago, uh, that would be an area of frustration because he had the kind of athletes that could do this sort of thing, not just stop you on the defensive end, but make but turn you that into by scoring exactly on the offensive end. And that's where that's where, you know, I think there's a differentiation here. And and Arizona clearly has the personnel here to be very effective in that regard. Now, there are going to be a number of games, especially against better teams, where you're going to see matchups in the half court and you're going to have to play your half court stuff very well. and you know, good teams are going to limit uh, turnovers and going to limit opportunities for Arizona to be able to run consistently. And in those matchups, you have to be good in the half court. But there are also going to be a lot of matchups, clearly, with a team that has this kind of depth and this kind of athleticism, where once they get going, it becomes a real problem for the opposition. Yeah, I mean, it really does become a problem for the opposition. And it's kind of demoralizing, Shu. I mean, we Lute Olson made a, Lute Olson made a career out of this, um, where... You would always, the game would be 22 to 21, something like that. You go to the bathroom to take a dump or you take a shower or whatever the case may be. You come back and, oh, it's 42 to 24. These are the kind of runs, pardon the pun, after those Jack in the Box tacos uh, talks that uh, that uh, we that I saw growing up all the time and that you were able to cover up close. Well, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Artur Dick Midnight, is often uh, familiar. Uh, he, he has a great quote, and the quote, quote is, and apologies, this is about to be PG-13. So for the folks out there who do not like language, I'm going to apologize to you in advance. You might want to uh, turn down the sound for the next 10 seconds. But Dick Midnight is very uh, fond of saying true creativity happens in two places, the shitter or the shower. And Mike Luke understands that and uh, takes advantage of that for the brilliance of this and other podcasts as often as uh, he possibly can. All right, Ben White, we have to talk about a big moment for the Back the A movement, even though it's not part of the Back the A movement. Matt Muehlbach. Matt Muehlbach, my friends, called Umar Ballo a leader of men during the broadcast. Now, Matt Muehlbach is a assault of the earth person. Matt Muehlbach has now uh, referred to it as the Four Peaks, the uh, Swedish pinball, leader of men. I feel that I'm forgetting something in there. Ben White, you and I both sent exclamation points to each other at literally the same time when Matt Muehlbach said it. He is the man. Tip of the cap salute emoji to our friend. You had to be beside yourself. I was just thinking, my goodness, all those neighbors on that block where Mike Luke lives, they yeah. probably heard him a mile away screaming at the TV. The Kia boys ran away from the Kia. They heard him all the way to ta- uh, Del Taco and all the way to uh, Jack in the Box. Yes, yes. But no, the big moment, that was very, very cool. Also, my bad Pella. We got to talk about Pella Larson here. Um, R- Rhino made a really good point where he said, uh, another guy, Rhino, Matt Muehlbach, what do these guys know? But uh Pella Larson has now drawn 16 fouls this year so far, which is more than double anybody else on the team. Um, The dude defensively has really, really good instincts. And not only does he have really good instincts, he's kind of, you know, uh, uh, Tommy Lloyd talked about how he wanted him to be a player that could be in contention for the defensive player of the year in the conference. Shoes so far so good. Let me ask you guys, I I think one of the things that helps in this capacity as well is the other personnel you have alongside you. Uh, So how many other players on this Arizona team do you think might be in that conversation as well? Mm -hmm. I could maybe come up with two or three in addition to Larson, which gives Arizona, I think, a lot of flexibility on the perimeter. And Larson is the guy who, as this season progresses, we might talk about benefiting the most uh, from the rest of the players on this roster. Uh, mm-hmm. As a as a top-tier one or two, which at times he probably had to be last year, you know, you start to get a little uncomfortable with what it is Larson can do with an extra year in the system. His complementary ability, based on what he has around him, I think makes him significantly 
more difficult from an overall scouting standpoint for the opposition. Uh, ben White, do you want to join in on uh, whipping Mike Luke for the ba- my bad Pella movement? I, I think, yeah. I mean, Pella definitely, like Shu said, I mean, defensively and just getting to the line is what his MO has become. And I think it's just so easy and it's it's beneficial for players like him and other guys maybe at the bottom of that rotation or maybe even six through eight because there's so many distractions in the sense that there's so many guys on this roster that can do different things and have clear defined roles that somebody like Pella, all he has to worry about is playing hard defense and when he has the ball, trying to draw contact. I mean, that's literally all the guy has to worry about. Whereas times last year, maybe your guard play was a little stale. You needed him to come off the bench and provide a spark. And it was just a lot on his plate. And I think this year, it's a much better fit for what he's able to do at this point in his career. And he's only going to continue to get better playing under guards like this. Jervis Williams, the great Jervis Williams. Um I thought this was the best Bradley has played uh, looked all season. I thought so as well. This to me was a big game for Jaden Bradley. Uh, Tommy Lloyd talked about he thinks that he's going to break out at some point. Granted, it's UT Arlington. I get all that, but I liked what I saw from Jaden Bradley out there, Shu. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think it was one of those that that he was this player that as you were trying to look for things to be concerned with Arizona in in the early portion of a campaign where they have looked very impressive. He was a bit of a whipping boy for, you, you, you for know, the Rob trying, Lances of the world. Oh, and, 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 you know, Rob is a guy who's just going to nitpick anything he possibly can. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's just, it's just unbearable of, at points. Um, He's the guy that you have to block during a game. That Rob cer- Lance. You certainly do. It's almost unrobbable. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, but, I felt that just by looking at just by looking at the overall athleticism, he looked like he looks like a guy who eventually has an opportunity to figure it out. And then you can understand why he was included on the roster. And and so I think, you know, one of these things we almost take for granted in the three years that uh, Lloyd has run this program is how well he communicates and how well the players seem to instantly take to the system. Yes. Which is which is we we kind of need to remember that's an outlier. That's not the norm in college basketball. So you have all these ups and downs and most of these teams have rampant inconsistency. Bradley looks like a guy who if you threw him on another roster, uh, you'd say, yeah, that guy's got some skills. And, you know, by the time you get to January or February, maybe you'll see the improvement and he can be a real factor. Well, that's supposed to be the norm. Right. And mm-hmm. and so you look at him right now and it's like, man, I don't know. Bradley's just going to make it work here. You're five games into him being in the program for somebody on this roster. This system's going to take maybe a little bit longer to figure out. But I think he can be an absolute contributor before it's all said and done. Frank, you're my guy. You're infinitely smarter than me. I'm sure you're far more successful than me as well. But I disagree with you on this take. Salim Stoudemire was the... Uh, I never saw Steve Kerr. Salim Stoudemire is the best shooter I've ever seen in college basketball. Um, pulling up from 40 feet, it always felt like it was a layup. I cannot put Kylan Boswell's <laughs> jumper in there with Salim Stoudemire. I do appreciate it, though. But we don't do hyperbole on this show. Mike Lewis never, always never. against Absolutely hyperbole. Absolutely not. Hashtag against hyperbole. Against hyperbole, yes. Hashtag, uh, yes. Very not much that any of us can spell that hashtag, but hashtag against hyperbole. Hashtag against hyperbole, yes. Um, but no, this, te- this team, though, and Shu, uh, we talked about it a little bit with Brad. This team checks off, uh, and Ben as well. This team checks off every single box. Um, again, there's going to be bumps in the road for sure. But do you have ball handlers? Yes. Do you have big men? Do you have athletes? Do you have defenders? Do you have players that can get hot from three? There's not really anything that you watch. And yes, I get the turnovers, or but the turnovers are always going to be a thing because of how fast this team plays. There's nothing out there that I say, man, I wish we had this or we don't have that. There just isn't. Well, two and there's no oh, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And there's no reason to think that that shouldn't continue either um, with what you've seen. There's been ups and downs. I mean, I guess you can call the first half of this game ups and downs, but there really hasn't been a game where you just scratch your head and think, man, maybe this team's not as good as we thought. Maybe this team 
you know, needs to work on some other things. I mean, you look across college basketball the last couple of weeks, Michigan State had a bad loss. I mean, Purdue, we can go on and on some of these top programs. And fortunately, Arizona hasn't been one of those programs. And they just have so many different players and pieces um, that contribute to those efforts. And, you know, what she was saying earlier, it's almost like Tommy Lloyd comes from a, a program in the Pacific Northwest that is, you know, notorious for, system and buy-in and all that good stuff so maybe uh, that john schuster guy is on to something yeah we're we're, we're just gonna keep hashtag quit spreading lies we need to keep basking john schuster's dome in the uh, radiant rays of uh it's always it's always a sunny day with the reflection on this noggin no, it, it is, though. But uh, what this feels like is that Tommy Lloyd is a lot like Mark Few, except he can get and this will sound weird because I know that Gonzaga was able to bring better in players in of late, but or at least until last year or so. It feels like he's running what Mark Few's doing, except he can get better players. And and uh, he's done it quicker. Whether he gets whether he's gotten better players or not remains to be seen. And there's probably going to be a time in the tournament where we find that out. Right. Uh, but it it. The 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 Tommy Lloyd uh, development of getting Arizona on track took a lot less time than what Mark Few had to do to rebuild uh, rebuilds the wrong term to continue to build Gonzaga. Um, you, you know, it probably took because there's the the two year difference of talking about Kirkisa in the same way that we talk about who Mike Ben Blakestep, uh, Santangelo, those kinds of guys who were Zachary good in- Taylor. Absolutely, Zachary Taylor from way back in 1849. Uh, and when when Mark Few was beginning this whole rebuild when they played all those games in Mexico City. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, but but you could see the Gonzaga build, you know, great regular seasons, generally speaking, uh, favorable seeds in the NCAA tournament. But you could almost see uh, Few's Gonzaga go through these five-year blocks. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. And and, cool. and this was the point where, you know, they started getting knocked off in the tournament and, you know, had the reputation of being just that golly plucky team that, uh, you know, wasn't physical enough or wasn't athletic enough or wasn't something enough when they got up against, you know, Power Five Conference. A little too Big Ten-ish you know, at times. Whatever. <laughs> Absolutely too Big Ten-ish. The one Big Ten team in the Pacific Northwest, which is not unusual now for the Big Ten. Right. Uh, but for Lloyd, that what seemed to be maybe a tenure or so process for Gonzaga has been a two year process for him. So it's moved very quickly. And, and again, we're what five or six games into this, but it looks very impressive. And what we're seeing from Arizona is clearly a better version than we've seen uh, in Lloyd's first two years here. Granted, he had much more solid footing uh, left for him uh, by a program that, uh, had a coach that did some very good things as frustrating as we, as frustrated as we at times were with you, the way that he you hit the bu- things. I'm going to, uh, you, you made, I've always thought that, listen, John Schuster is my best friend. That either is an indictment on me or it's definitely and, uh, that. Right. But exactly. You. But you, you made the best. I've, I've said this to you many times. Not like it's a surprise, but um, you, the best thing that you could say about Miller is this, and you cannot underestimate this at all. He made Arizona two coach school. Again, I get Fred Snowden did some really cool stuff. Totally get it. That's not, you know, to the, uh, you know, to the pre-boomer generation. I'm not looking to step on your foot. But Sean Miller is the one. Sean Miller after Lute Olson made Arizona a place where you could be number one seeds. You could be in the top 10 every single season type thing. That is something that, that, that differentiates you at that point from a Georgetown, from a UNLV, from a Maryland, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that can't be taken lightly, is there, as much as we're criticizing Sean. And those Miller. are exceptional <laughs> examples. So so, so Lloyd had stuff in the cupboard that he could utilize with his system, and the system helped him. That, that combination helped him win a lot of games, and now in year three he's been able to get – he learned from those mistakes and understood what it was he needed. He wasn't arrogant enough. He was willing to self-scout, and he said, okay, this is clearly what's needed. And he went out and and convinced those guys that it was good to come to Arizona. And so far, it's been very effective. Now, all of that said, I think the interesting thing that we're going to see in the games ahead, now that there's video on what Arizona has and what Arizona does, how do teams with better athletes attack them? 
And I think there are a couple variations maybe out there that they're going to try. The level of success remains to be seen. And Arizona's ability to adapt is one of the fascinating uh, yarns that I think will take place throughout the course of this campaign. Uh, Arlington attempted some of those tonight. One of the things that I think they did very well early on is pack it in. They almost played a Sean Miller-style offense against Arizona, and I think one of the things you're going to try to do against the Cats is prove that they can beat you from the outside. And we'll find out against better basketball teams whether Arizona gets into a position where they settle for the three or continue to try to run their stuff even if it isn't effective on the first possession or the second possession or the third possession, just keep doing it, believing that eventually their talent is going to be able to work through it. I, I think that's one thing. The second thing, and I liked how Arizona responded to this, I expect teams to play zone against Arizona precisely because uh, the one area that they're most unproven, I think, is from the perimeter at this stage. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you can guard them on the perimeter, that's helpful. The thing that works against that clearly is Arizona's rebounding advantage, which is has been exceptional and in the early stages of the campaign has been, has been among the best in basketball. So obviously when you zone, it's tough to you know block out a, a specific guy because you're uh, playing a space as a pl opposed to a man. So uh, one of the problems with a zone, especially against really good rebounding teams, is that you're giving up the possibility of second shot opportunities. And that can be uh, clearly problematic. But it will be interesting to see how teams try to attack Arizona. And I think the Arlington model that we saw in the first 10 minutes is something that we're going to see attempted a few more times. Ben, Tommy Lloyd went off on people. He said, I need these fans to show up. I need them to make noise. I'm sorry if you have the tickets and you don't want to show up. Give them to somebody that will. This was a much better performance from it, Ben. I was very, very happy about what uh, Tommy Lloyd did. I think Tommy Lloyd's got a little bit more of a backbone than some might think. I think so, too. And I liked uh, over the weekend, too, football a little pivot here but i like dave hickey at halftime tweeting as well why are we leaving because there's rain don't you want to stay uh perhaps that was influenced by somebody we know on this podcast so oh dave dave i'm i'm happy for my guy dave deserves every uh dave deserves the kudos yeah exactly so no i think i think a little easier today you know sunday afternoon you're you're coming off a high with the football game yesterday. Uh, not a whole lot going on. It's a lot easier than a, what, 9, 9.30 tip, 9 o'clock tip, whatever it is like we saw last week. All right. Now, we're going to get to some Arizona football, but I got to go in a little bit of a rant. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Um, obviously, we've talked about the Arizona budget issues, and uh, it, it's not going to affect Arizona basketball or Arizona football in the least. They're two separate issues. Arizona got into this situation partially, well, largely because – as John Schuster said via text, and I thought this was a very good way of putting it, kids that can't get into UC Santa Barbara, you're paying to come here. You don't get a return on that investment. Um, you also had to uh, take out a loan during COVID. The athletic, our athletic department did. But I need, and the star is doing this nonstop, and I need this to stop. Stop quoting professors who are openly hostile to sports about what the future of the Arizona Athletic Department should be. You don't go to Johnny Nansen and say, hey, what would you do about the anthropology shortfall here? Same thing with these guys. Again, uh, between, and this is called a humble brag, between my dad, my mother, my sister, myself, we have eight degrees from the U of A. I'm not bashing the U of A at all here when it comes to the academic part. But stop going to professors that don't watch sports and are openly many times hostile to the entire endeavor and say, well, what should Arizona do with the athletic department? Don't give them a voice. They don't understand what is going on here. And if you do give them a voice, please make sure that they know that it's also something fringe. These people, when they talk about, well, just get rid of the athletic department or uh, outsource it or all of that. They don't like sports. The, a lot of these people that are being quoted, the stars stop doing that. John Schuster, I'm sure you have a thought on that. Oh, uh, I, I think your thought was pretty good. So I might even just sit this one out, which right. is rare for me from a rant standpoint, <laughs> but uh, well ranted. Yeah, I, again, like although, I said. Although, hey, we might as well move on to another topic here while while, while we're here since, since, since we're getting sidetracked and since I'm terrible at non-ranting. There's a lot of discussion. It is It is the most bizarre discussion in Arizona athletics that I've heard in almost 40 years. Arizona goes from winning five consecutive games to now being 
you, you know, if they we're we're huge Oregon State fans, right? Uh, uh, right, right now from a football standpoint, uh, where Arizona has an outside chance to backdoor its way into the into the Pac-12, the the last Pac-12 title game, and in addition, if they do what they're supposed to this weekend, they're probably going to get into a really good bowl one way or the other. All of that aside, what has happened is that Wildcat fans seemingly. Instead of enjoying that Arizona is on a historic run, are concerned about whether they're going to lose their football coach, which hasn't happened at right. Arizona in forty years. Right. Uh, so, so, so it's a, it's it's a fascinating pivot conversation. Uh, but one of the issues that Arizona does face in this regard, if that does happen and other schools want to make a push for it, uh, is that this, from a PR standpoint, when, you're at, when your money situation is a headline right now, it doesn't look like a very good PR move to say you're going to go to the football coach and double his salary. Uh, so there may have to be a little bit of navigation that takes place in that regard, just based on one of Mike Luke's favorite words, because he has excellent eyes, the optics of uh, that situation. That's tough. I'm sorry. That's tough. When the anthropology professor brings in 45, or 55,000 people into his class or you're uh, nationally ranked and you're bringing it. I mean, it, sorry, it just is the way it is. Um, now, we've given John, we've built John Schuster up, Ben White. So oh, we can tear down oh. John Schuster. Ooh. I Ooh, said I after oh. I said after Jed Fish's first year, this guy's on to something. I give him a B plus. Mm -hmm. Schuster cut me off and he said, I give him an F. F. <laughs> We're all about and academics here. F. Ben, ben White. in year one. F on the Jed, field. Jed Fish says, both of you guys, you're both wrong. I'm an A plus, Ben White. And even though at the time after that NAU game, you looked at the schedule and Mr. John Schuster said, this team's good, but I don't know how that's going to reflect in the in the win-loss category. I don't know how many games this team's going to be able to win. Well, guess what, my friend? And, and I'd like to Five straight White, wins. I, and John uh, Schuster version, too. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. So guess what, my friend? You know, five straight wins, and, and here we are. Um just curious. I know we talked about it yesterday, Shu, but I mean, just your take and just you were being out there with the fans, the rain and, and all the craziness. I mean, how is, was the community responding to it yesterday? Tom Schuster out amongst the people. You know, out amongst yes. the people. No, nobody noticed, you know, as opposed to uh, when, you know, the le the growing legend of Mike Luke in the uh, Arizona Stadium community. All, all, all I, I hear on a consistent basis, and I'm sure Ben's hearing this all the way from, uh, you know, whatever time it zone reaches to Orange County and far beyond and far beyond is like, oh, Mike Luke, this. Oh, Mike Luke, that. Oh, what about Mike Luke? Mike Luke's amazing. You know, if it wasn't for Brad, our, our friend Brad Alice being on the Arizona scoreboard uh, uh, because he was desperately <laughs> trying to get Mike Luke attention. it It's almost like Mike Luke would have taken all of the air away from a football program that has been absolutely remarkable. And one of the things, and, and Mike, you took some issue from this when we were chatting in text a little bit, uh, re reasonable enough. Arizona, to me, looks like a football team that does nothing great and everything well. And that across the board consistency has put them in, in this very effective position. They've beaten good teams uh, and, and they deserve their, their style, their play. And the consistency of that play has uh, put them in the position that they deserve to be in. And is it is an absolutely astonishing reclamation project. Let me ask you this. And again, it's semantics because we, we both agree. We both agree. I'll say, I think from a defensive perspective, uh, I think they're close to great. Um, again, I, I get that uh, it's not the desert swarm. How many times do you see Utah get pulverized on the offensive line? You never see that. I mean, how many times against uh, 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 an Oregon State team that, let's be honest, is very, very good? Um, this team defensively, they just beat you up. Now, the, again, Oregon, they, the Oregon example, Mike, I think is a little bit uh, – the Oregon State example, Mike, I think is a little bit better. Arizona's defense is very good. Uh, and again, you're right. It's a semantics issue. But I would be interested to see just how good. Remember, they gave up, what, 35 at Colorado? 
Uh, you know, so it's not true. That's true. That's not good. It's not perfect. It's, but the point I think being is that one of the, and again, up and down the roster in this conference, the league is really good, but, uh, there are some teams that are limited on the offensive side of the ball. And those teams include Utah, clearly, which has played the entire True, season that's, that's a good with a backup quarterback. And in some games, they look dreadful on that side of the And UCLA, which sometimes just shoots itself in the foot. Uh, so, so, so there are some matchups in there. And at the time, remember the week before, I think it was UCLA that played Washington State and completely had them figured out. Washington State couldn't mm-hmm. run the football. They became one-dimensional and people just shut them down. And Arizona benefited from excellent uh, video work great scheming and implementing that scouting report effectively. So there are examples, I think, on the schedule with Arizona's defensive run against teams that have been limited on the side of the ball. However, again, and and this harkens back to, I think, where I'm going, where Arizona Arizona does everything well. Uh, and, And everything well means that if there's a limitation with their opponent, they're really good at exploiting that. And that, I think, has played a pretty significant – for instance, even on the offensive end yesterday, they abused – and I was watching uh, the game with a couple other guys, one guy who uh, uh, is, you know, picked up on this pretty quickly and, you know, knows his stuff. Um, but Arizona offensively just abused Utah on the right side of the line, right, on yeah. Utah's left I there. I right. that point they on the post game. Yeah, that brilliantly done, by the way. Brilliantly done. Wink. Uh, nicely, uh, ni- ni- nicely accomplished. But it's that sort of thing. Find find a weakness and exploit it. And I think Arizona's done a very good job of doing exactly that this year. And and, and again, what they've able what they've been able to accomplish, and what Fafida has been able to do to to play within a stabilizing system, he's kind of the definition of where Arizona excels. If you're a team that does everything well, then just don't make mistakes. And Fafita mm-hmm. is better at not making mistakes than the other guy was. And he has kind of galvanized what the overall character of, I think, this Arizona program has been this year. Meisner, we're getting on to football. We're making an executive decision because this was UT Arlington, and we still want to bask in the glow of, uh, I think, a huge win. Uh, ben, you and I, uh, you and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't, first of all, here's where I'm at. The teams in college football that I think are clearly better than Arizona. Georgia's be- clearly better than Arizona, in my opinion. Um, Alabama, I know it's not a vintage Alabama team. I'm taking Alabama over Arizona and feeling all right about it. Ohio State, Michigan, I think are clearly better than Arizona. Oregon, probably better than Arizona. Yeah, I think Oregon's better. Yeah. yeah. After that, it starts getting kind of fuzzy. Um, are is uh, is uh, is Florida State clear? Uh, now, granted, they lost a quarterback, so that's a different animal. Is Texas clearly better than Arizona? I've seen Texas play some pretty close games against some pretty crappy teams. Um, is Missouri? Missouri? Oh, I think Ari- I would take Arizona over Missouri. Penn State. Um, those are the type of teams. Washington. I would love for Arizona to get a chance at Washington again. I don't really see outside of about four to five teams there. I don't see anybody that Arizona can't beat, which is just wild to think about. I think five through 10, it's definitely up in the air. I think a team like Missouri is a perfect example because while they've had a decent defense, they're also smaller. Their offense has struggled at times, but point being right, big picture wise, there's not a clear team outside of a few that you named. I think I would throw Penn State in there. I just think I know their offense is dreadful, but they're just so dominant from a physicality standpoint. But then again, right? I mean, we could play this game all day because kind of said the same thing about Utah. So Arizona's kind of in this gray area as to how good are they because you've seen them exploit weaknesses, like Schuster said. You've seen them win games where they can only score, you know, 20 to 24 points and the opposition is is held below that, right? You've seen them blow out good teams like you did against Utah. So I think Arizona from a football just I guess scoring standpoint is is versatile because they can beat you in just so many different ways. I don't think we could say that 
you know, three or four weeks ago. But now Arizona can definitely score 35 to 42 a game if need be to win these games, or they can slow things down and on the defensive side, just own the line of scrimmage and win that way as well. So I think Arizona's got a lot of tools in their kit there, Mike, and five through 10, the conversation is interesting. And that's what's so great about going to a college football playoff next year with 12 that's teams. The frustration at the same time is that it would yes. be interesting to have just to get to see because Arizona would be in that conversation. I think I haven't year, seen, yeah. Yeah. I have, I, I haven't seen the numbers. I don't know if they've come out yet, but I could see Arizona being 12 next week. Yeah. Somewhere I, in that, in that neighborhood. And then if you're in that conversation, you're, you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a you would get a lot of looks as an at large based on the season that Arizona is having now. Are you guys are probably way more up on this than no, I in, in terms of projections as to could Arizona be in a in an Alamo Bowl type or yep. a Holiday Bowl type thing? And yeah. if they were, who might they see in those matches? Well, you know that Arizona has a very legit. I mean, has a legitimate chance of playing in the Pac-12 title game. No, they. It's an outside shot. Yes, I you do. You need Oregon that. State to beat Oregon, which is possible, but Oregon's better. However, Oregon's better. it's possible. Oregon but, State's but a it's good, also not a good football team. Right. It's yes. also not a. It's also not a. It's, it's somewhere. You're between, right. It's somewhere between a puncher's. It's a. It's more than a puncher's mm-hmm. chance, but it's not. It's more than the Dumb and Dumber. You're telling me there's a chance, but yes. it's not. I, quite... I give them a 25 percent chance. Yeah. Twenty to 25 percent. Yeah, I think chance. that's right. I think that's okay. absolutely. So Arizona's yeah. got a 20 to 25 percent chance of playing yeah. in the Pac-12 title game. We in a rematch to... where we feel like they'd have a chance to win. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, this also goes to show you too, and I'm not. I'm not breaking any news here. This goes to show you too the importance of the quarterback position in in football. Again, duh, Mike, but. You always hear the term complimentary football. Now, that's the new that's the new phrase that a lot of people like to say. Um, Noah Fafita does everything that Arizona needs him to do. Now there's now he might not have games where he's throwing for 900 yards and eight touchdowns, but how many times and we talked about this on the post game? How many times do you see Arizona in a third and 14? Next to none. How many times is it is it a second and six, a third and three? And he is deadly on third down. I would be curious how many quarterbacks in the country are better on third down. He just does everything. If you're open, he's going to get you the ball. I know it sounds simplistic, but there's something unique about There's something that is unique about him. And again, Jaden Delora did some very good things here at Arizona. Arizona's not in this position if Jane Delora has played every every game like the way Noah Fafita has. Noah Fafita does not care how they score, how they move the ball. He just cares that it gets done. Um, there's not a play, and we talked about this yesterday, there's not yardage that the kid will leave on the field. If there is a three- or four-yard pass that is really easy to be had underneath to your tight end, he will take that. If they are going to go run heavy and get the ball to Coleman and Williams and Wiley – and sit back there and let those guys do their thing. He's happy to do that as well. I mean, complimentary football is cliche. I totally get it, but that's really what the kid is. And, you know, Arizona hasn't been in a lot of long third and long situations, but when they have been at times, he's also proven that if you need 15 to 20 yards, the kid has an arm. He has the ability to read the field. He can get the ball down to T-Mac and some of these other dynamic receivers. So, I think fit is everything in football, especially at the quarterback level, especially in college. I think with that offense, the way it's ran and what Jed Fish is trying to do, he makes the most sense. And nothing phases the kid. He plays like he's been out there three to four years. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And say what you want about, you know, talent and all that good stuff. But when you have a roster on both sides, offense and defense, that has the quality and the depth that Arizona has, it's going to be pretty hard to screw that up unless you got a quarterback going out there turning the ball over left and right. And that's not to undermine Noah by any means. I think he's very, very good. I think he's only going to continue to get better, but he's in the right place at the right time. I think what you're looking at from, uh, you know, if you're ranking some of the other teams is the, 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 what what Arizona has and what Arizona does is that basically to borrow a Mike Luke, you know, since he and his family have eight degrees from the University of Arizona, uh, you know, borrow an academic grading version of this. <laughs> Arizona is, I think, a, a B plus to an A minus at everything. Uh, and that's the difference. Uh, when you get a little bit lower, use Utah as an example. I think Utah's an 
an A minus to B plus defense that has a C minus offense. Armand uh, Williams, by the way, real quick, the great Armand Williams. Oh, I remember Armand Williams, high school in Phoenix, I believe. Scottsdale, if I'm not mistaken, played a little bit in the NFL from the great teams of the 90s. Armand Williams, tip of the cap salute emoji, my friend. Go ahead, John Schuster. And um, uh, a point well taken, by the way. Yeah. And uh, you know what? When you're talking about complementary football, that's the type of thing that helps Fafita. Uh, Fafita is steady. But so is the running game, so are the receivers, so are special teams, and so is defense. They do, and they've made in, in complementary football includes making less mistakes. So Arizona, in the early portion of this campaign, was turning the ball over and getting penalized eight, nine, ten times a game. That isn't happening now. Outside of the sloppiness in Colorado, uh, Arizona has been a very efficient team against good opposition and it has put them in this position you look at some of the teams that are higher up are they as physical on the front line as michigan no are they as explosive athletically offensively as ohio state uh, alabama or georgia no uh can they blow you off the line defensively like those teams can probably not uh you know but there are but but what they do they've done a very nice job of doing well and i think it makes it difficult to kind of find weaknesses when you're that complete and dare i say that complimentary here's what's exciting too and again i know that if arizona fans you never want to look ahead because the old cliche tomorrow is promised to nobody is very true when it comes to uh was very true when it comes to that but arizona returns 18 to 22 starters next year um you lose now listen the four you lose are very good players and three or four of them will play in the nfl jordan morgan at tackle could be a first round pick jacob cowing we all know what he can do um michael wiley michael wiley is really really good i think jonah coleman in a weird way has kind of made that a much easier uh, uh bridge to uh I don't want to say move on from that's not the right term, but, uh, and then Taylor transition. Upshaw, transition for sure. And then Taylor Upshaw, who has been an absolute godsend from Colorado. Dion, we will take that one. Uh, you no. give us a guy that's going to have 10 sacks this year. We will take this one. Um, but guys, this is a team that legitimately could go into next season with top 10 aspirations. It could be ranked in the top 10. And there's not a team in the Big 12 that scares me next year either. Right. Um, so not only could it be ranked there, it could very well run the conference next year. Um, I think the way they play, I think the guys you're bringing back and the schedule is really going to be, you know, a reflection of just what we've seen develop here over the last year or so. And I think it's going to continue to get better because Fafita, I mean, say what you want, Mike, we've talked about the the freshman slump and when is he going to have the bad game? And, you know, the guy's not going to play perfect every single game, but I tell you what, every single game so far, he has gotten better. He's showing a little bit more each game. And if you can just improve a little bit, you know, gosh, God only knows how good he's going to be, you know, a year, a half, year and a half, two years from now, if he keeps up at this rate. So Arizona's in a really good spot. And if you're somebody like Jed fish, looking at maybe some of these other opportunities that could become open, um, that's something you have to consider, right? It's hard to walk away from something you build and the momentum you're going to have riding into the Big 12 and the fact that you bring all these guys back. It's a lot harder to walk away and say, you know what, I'm going to go to UCLA and win three games in the Big 10 next year and have to start all over. I think, you know, it's, there's something to be said about wanting to do it yourself, wanting to make it your own. So, you know, when we talk about coaching searches and we talk about Jed Fish in this situation, I would just tell fans to to be patient and just understand it's a good problem to have. And as long as Arizona's winning football games, your football program is going to be in a good situation. It's an exceptional problem to have. And it's a very unusual. Remember, again, I mentioned this a little earlier. We haven't had this conversation in 40 years, which means how... Uh, and and usually what Arizona's head coach, head football coach job, Arizona's head football coach, coach job is a mortuary. There is <laughs> it no, really is. There is no next step. There is no next job. Uh, you know, Larry Smith is the last guy. And you're talking about what, 1987, right. 86, 87. Let me repeat, 1986 or 87. How many people watching or listening to this podcast right now were alive in 1986 or 1987? It's the last time Arizona had a football coach that was an interesting component 
uh, on a national stage, perhaps outside of Tomi in 1994, who maybe flirted with Miami. Uh, but it has so rarely happened at this program. And if you look at what has happened to coaches after they left Arizona, the, the resume results are not particularly impressive. Uh, so, so there is, if you want to talk what, what that leads up to is what Ben was alluding to in regards to building a program from scratch and building a program that has really limited tradition. Blips here and there, Desert Swarm, Perushki, Gronkowski, Foles, bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a complete barren desert. But it ain't uh, it ain't a lot of foliage around this the, these parts either. It's not this super is, populated. This is all Jed Fish, yeah. Uh, and, and and that may be reason to hang around if you believe you can win here on a consistent basis. That is that is a truly remarkable reclamation project. That said, one of the things I'd really like to see and kind of hope for as far as legitimate bowl matchups are concerned, I'd like to see Arizona play a good Big Twelve team in in a bowl just to get an idea. Uh, because yeah, I agree with that. I'm just Oklahoma little, state. I just, yeah, I just don't know. You know, one of the Kansas's Oklahoma state, some, somebody who's good. I just don't, I, I really at this stage, and I'm not sure anybody does be next year is an adventure and I can't tell, you know, yeah, how, great how, how, how big 12, uh, talent aligns with what used to be in the pack and, you know, where all of that, fit. I just, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, so it's possible that Ben is right that Arizona's a favorite. Oh my God! Am I actually saying? Are we actually saying five months ago? Would any of us? Uh, five months, five weeks ago, are any of us saying? You know what's going to happen in the first year of the expanded Big Twelve? Arizona's going to be the favorite. What? Yeah, Take but, a stand, John but, Schuster. But we now, believe you. Man, don't be like Tony Gimino where you're scared to say anything that somebody might take the wrong way. I'm a journalist. You're Tony a journalist. Gimino. Mike, no. it is <laughs> grossly unfair to cast any projections on any team whatsoever. You are putting these young men in an untenable situation. And again, this is grossly unfair to the entire community. Please stop. Quotation, Tony Gimino. Gimino's vocabulary is flat out remarkable. It is. Man, he it can is. use. Is it? It's amazing. Syllable uh, words with lots and lots of syllables. Uh, so I just I feel honored that Jamino embeds our post game broadcast in his uh, fabulous articles. Feel honored. That's very nice of him. Yes. Uh, but, but 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 the gist of it, I, I, uh, the the point is, I just don't know. So I'd love to get kind of a precursor on that to see how that aligns and uh, and and then take it from there. Again, it's an adventure. And we'll find out. And if Arizona can keep things stabilized, they're gonna they you hope they're gonna be a factor and continue to do good good things, and that the fans will come out to Arizona Stadium. All right. Arizona also just breaking off the presses. Four-star QB Dash Byerly is committed to the University of Arizona. That is on top of the top quarterback in the state, DeMond Williams, uh, 2024 kid committing. Jed Fish is bringing in quarterbacks after quarterbacks. He is a fisher of quarterbacks. Jed Fish. Q QBU. 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 You know what? It. Some people call it USC. They are wrong. It is Arizona. That's why it's a privilege to back the A. We are going to break that all down, Kilroy. Don't worry. Tomorrow, in depth, you have my word, my friend. All right. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 1030. But for the great Ben White, for the venerable John Schuster, and for uh, the, uh, the hologram that is Tony Gimino, I am merely Mike Luke. Oh, hold on. I'm running this thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody stay with me until I sign off here. Hold Are you on. doing something tech related? Yeah, I'm doing something tech. I'm going to suck at it. Hold on. Um, hold on. Hold He's on. producing his own show today. Hold on. No. Hold on. Hold oh, on. my goodness. Hold on. I, thought, right, I think I got it. Oh, what the heck is this? That's hold beautiful. On. Oh, well, hold on. That's my parents if you're Mr. Curious. and Mrs. Luke. Yeah, there you go. I look nothing like either one. All right. Now, um, I might be adopted. Um, all right. Oh, here we go. All right. On that note, appreciate you all. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. We all silly like the mayor. 